0: This is the Indie Drills Podcast, and I'm your host, Chad Wilson. I'm also the owner of All Eyes DB Camp and author of 101 DB Tips. In this podcast, we're going to be talking about any and everything having to do with defensive back play. From technique to current events, we'll cover it all just like the guys in the back half blanket the wide receivers. I have over 20 years playing and coaching and training in this game, and I'm ready to use all of that experience to bring you the best experience in the Indie Drills Podcast. So let's go. Listeners, if you haven't had a chance to do it yet, pick up your copy of the 101 DB Tips eBook. It's the ultimate reference guide for defensive back play. If you're a player, a coach, or a trainer of defensive backs, then this is something you absolutely have to have in your library. I discuss everything in this book from playing man-to-man coverage, to zone coverage, to how to train, to how to improve your footwork, your eye discipline, and body control. Literally everything pertaining to defensive back is covered in this book. Over 20 years of playing, coaching, and training defensive backs has gone into the making of this ebook, and I'm proud to say that it has helped players and coaches from the Little Leagues all the way to the college level. Make a point to check this book out now. If you're serious about being the best at what you do, make that purchase. You can find the book by going to 101dbtips.com. That's 101dbtips.com. Welcome to the Indie Drills Podcast. I'm Chad Wilson, owner of All Eyes DB Camp and the author of 101 DB Tips. Pleased to be bringing you my third episode of the Indie Drills Podcast. As I said in the opening episode, this was a a long time coming, something I've been wanting to do. And uh, I finally just said, let me sit down and do it. And I just love the feedback that I've been getting. The first two episodes have been a hit. I'm happy to say apparently there just isn't enough not only defensive talk out there but defensive back talk out there. Everyone wants to talk about wide receivers. They get all the attention and love in this game and I'm just really really happy to flip over to that dark side and let's talk about defensive backs, defensive back play. Let's have that kind of discussion going on so I'm really really happy to do that. The main topic here today is It's camp season, guys. So, we're going to talk about four ways that DBs can win at camp. This is, you know, I'm sure I'm going to get a lot of coaches here to agree with me on these things, but this is really, really big information out there for uh, the young high school guys that are going out to all these camps right now and trying to make an impression on college coaches or recruiting reporters or whoever it is out there that um, you guys need to impress. I'm going to give you guys four really good pointers on how to impress at camp, both from someone who's sent guys to camp, including his own two kids who are past that stage now, as well as a guy who has worked many, many camps and been in that situation where I am the coach and I'm having to evaluate anywhere from 25 to 50 to, man, I've been in a camp where there's been 100 DBs. So... I'm going to tell you the ways that you can stand out and impress at camp so that's going to be the main topic here but uh, there's several other things we need to get to here first of all guys um, you heard the intro on here you heard the intro ad 101 db tips it's the ebook that i've put out and it's pretty much everything that i've been able to accumulate in my years as a player as well as a coach and as a trainer basically the things that i've been repeating over and over i have put them into this book and it covers uh, a lot of things that have to do with defensive back play from training to playing coverage to playing man to playing zone to, uh, you know, where your eyes are supposed to be, technique, footwork, hand placement, um, a bunch of things in there. So, you know, if you are a defensive back, you are a coach, trainer, I'm sure you will find this Um, to be a worthwhile investment for you. So certainly pick that up. I think I'll have a link in the description of this show here for it. Otherwise, 101dbtips.com. You can go there and pick that up. All right. Um, Another big thing that I wanted to get to, I talked about this on Twitter. Um, You know, it's I want to say several weeks ago. And uh, it was a a bit of a discussion. Guys are 50-50 on this, by the way. My Twitter account is at dbtips101, at dbtips101. Um, I I love the way guys are having a discussion there. But I brought something up about backpedaling, and um, it really stemmed from a video that I put up from um, a defensive back coach, former defensive back coach, corners coach at Alabama by the name of Carl Scott. And he was talking about how they don't do, um, they don't. Well, look, I don't. It's 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 really not even. Let me let me flip course on that. It really wasn't even about that. The backpedaling was a a video that I'd put up with uh, Alabama DB starting off practice with backpedaling, and there's a well known video out there about. Uh, with Nick Saban saying that his DBs don't backpedal. And that opened up a discussion about backpedaling. And, uh, you know, was kind of surprised by the amount of um, coaches out there, mostly high school coaches, that say they don't bother with the backpedaling for their cornerbacks. They turn them sideways. They have their rear ends facing the sidelines and they play coverage like that, or they mostly bail um, it's 90% bail and everyone's bailing out on backpedaling and I'm, you know, I'm really here to be an advocate for backpedaling. Yes, uh, I've I've heard the arguments, um, I, I've heard the debate, I've heard uh, the reasons why guys prefer to not have the defensive, their corners backpedal and just turn them sideways. I've even heard what Nick Saban has had to say about it. And uh, I'm going to go on the other side of this, guys, but of course, you know, this is certainly, I wanted to spark a discussion and maybe spark something in uh, some of a defensive back coaches' minds out there across the country um, and those of you that are listening to this. Taking it from someone who's played, both in high school, um, college level, at uh, a major program, not that that should matter, college football is college football, and then a small amount of time in the NFL, uh, there is... The essence of man coverage, first of all, is being able to stay square. I don't think any of the coaches listening to this turn their players sideways at the line of scrimmage when they're playing press man coverage. Uh, And there's got to be a reason why you don't do that. And one of the big reasons why you don't do that And probably the only reason why you don't do that is you want your guys to stay square as long as possible. And that's whether they're playing hard press or they're in some kind of a soft press technique. You want your guys to stay square as long as possible. Why is that? You're trying to force them off their line. And you do also want to have your defensive backs in a position to be able to break left or right with equal amount of efficiency. This is why your guys are lined up square at the line of scrimmage. And you don't cock them uh, one way or the other. You don't cock them to the inside. You don't cock them to the outside and press man coverage. And so if that is the case in press, why is that not the case when they're playing off? Now, the discussion that I've seen or the point that I've seen many defensive back coaches who support not doing the backpedal make is that it's not everyone can backpedal. Not everyone ...has the ability to backpedal, and I'm here to dispute that. Backpedal can be taught. Uh, A proficient backpedal can be taught. You just have to know how to do that. Secondly, I don't subscribe to that theory of, we're just going to change the techniques because uh, a guy is not able to do it. You may tweak some things as a coach, and this is as a coach for all positions... Uh, you know, I've been a guy that's been an offensive coordinator, a wide receiver coach, uh, I said, head coach at the youth level. And while when you hear youth, you tend not to take that seriously, but I'm here to tell you, when you're head coaching at the youth football level, you're basically teaching those kids the game. And I started at the really young seven and eight-year-olds and went all into the pre-adolescent. You're teaching them the game. So you're teaching the running backs how to run with the ball, quarterbacks how to throw it and make read. You're teaching the wide receivers how to catch the ball, linebackers how to make reads. Basically, you're teaching the game to every one of those kids there. So, um, you know, I, digre- I digress. There's, there's a whole lot of teaching going on at that youth level, especially, you know, when you went about it the way that I thought you should go about it. You're really Their primary job is to teach them the game. Uh, And then winning is the second part of that. You're teaching them how to win. But, you know, I didn't do things just to win games and sacrifice the opportunity to teach the kids to game because that's something that's going to last longer. But anyway, I'm going to bring it back to this that if a player, we're talking about high school now, is not able to do something that is key to the position, then maybe he shouldn't be playing that position. You know, you wouldn't say, Hey, uh this God, this quarterback can't really throw the ball. Well, maybe he shouldn't be a quarterback. Or maybe you're of the mindset, Well, we're we're just gonna change our entire offense. We're just gonna have the quarterback run all the time. Maybe you're of that idea, but if there are if there's a guy there that could throw the football and he has quarterback abilities outside of that, then that's a the guy that's gonna be your quarterback. You wouldn't say, I have this wide receiver, and he's not real good at catching the ball, so what we're going to do is we're just not going to throw. And so I bring that around to playing corner. You're telling me a guy can't really backpedal. Maybe he's not a corner. Maybe maybe he needs to play another position. Maybe he needs to be a linebacker. Maybe he needs to put on some size and play linebacker. Outside of that, man, you can teach a guy how to backpedal. And the backpedaling allows the, D, the cornerback to do what it is that you really want him to do when he's playing press. And that is stay square as long as possible. That is the essence of man coverage. So if you teach that guy how to pedal, he can keep that wide receiver in front of him. And depending on the proficiency in that pedal, he can stay square for a good amount of time and be able to break on those routes that are gonna break off. The routes that break off at the high school level Typically, break off before 15 yards. There just aren't a whole lot of 18 back to 15 comebacks. There just aren't a whole lot of 18 yard digs at the high school level. A, the protection doesn't last that long. B, we don't have quarterbacks that make those kind of throws very often. There are some. Those guys are usually the five stars, really highly ranked. Um, and maybe you come up with different types of game plans if you happen to be facing those type of guys. You're a little, you know, you're a little more careful about the coverages that you run but the reason those guys you need them the back pedal is to be able to stay square not have guys get lost behind their back and not complicate their breaks once a guy opens up it becomes difficult to make that break to his backside it's one of two ways he's going to do that that's the speed turn which i am totally against hate those speed turns they happen sometimes. I'm aware of that. It's an emergency move, not something that I teach. Or they've got a hip flip and make the break to the out if you guys can picture that. That is a more complicated break on the football than being in a pedal, planting, and driving left or right, depending on where that route breaks. Now, of course, if you have a safety, there's no way around that backpedaling. So, I'm, um, you know... I would sincerely hope that your safeties are back but we're talking strictly about corners here. Lining those guys up cocked with their rare ends to the sidelines opens them up to a whole bunch of wide receivers getting lost in their blind spot. From there, they can run outs, comebacks, or they can very much end up deep. Another thing that happens too is... Uh, A lot of the coaches that want to have their guys cocked says it allows the guys to get their reads on two and three or read the quarterback a whole lot better. Okay. I understand the logic perhaps initially in that because they are facing, facing the quarterback or they're facing that number two or three wide receiver, but their attention gets extremely divided once that number one receiver gets behind their back. Sure, they're facing two and three at that point, but their mind's not focused on two and three or the quarterback the way it should be when that player gets lost behind their back. And I'm going to, uh, the user question addresses that very same thing today. So I'm, you know, I can't wait to get to that. I've quest- the user asked me a question about cover two and, uh, and receivers uh, and their cornerbacks in cover two that kind of relates to what I'm talking about here. When you have cornerbacks that can pedal, you can have them outside leverage, pedal, and that wide receiver is going to have to do something really serious to get into his blind spot, to get outside of him to where that cornerback can't see him. And even in that back pedal, that cornerback can still see number two and number three. Giving up on the pedal and turning that guy sideways is... Um, an injustice. And if we're doing it at the high school level, the guy probably never learns really how to backpedal. He goes to college and if backpedaling is a thing, he's going to struggle with it. If he didn't backpedal because the high school coach wasn't with it and you go to a college where you you know, you know didn't really backpedal a whole bunch, man, the first drill you do at the combine is backpedal. You're going to do it in your pro day, God forbid. Um... You find yourself in a situation there where you now have to learn how to backpedal in your combine or your pre-combine training. That's a bad deal. And they're just not going to look very good. And then that ends up becoming a reflection on you as a coach. So coaches, uh, you know, there's football played all over this country, so I don't want anyone to take this personally. I'm fully aware of the fact that there are varying degrees of knowledge for Uh, defensive back coaches out there and the amounts of time you are able to spend individually with your players. I get that. I understand that. You don't want to suck up an entire amount of your time each day trying to teach your guys how to backpedal. But I would say to you, if you have a strong interest in it and you have some time devoted to it, Or if you can get yourself some help in the form of a trainer or maybe an assistant coach that can take these guys out on their own time and teach them how to backpedal, I think it's a really, really good thing for you. And it's really going to help you defensively if you're able to get these guys in a position where they can backpedal with some proficiency and have some confidence in it. And again, it can be taught. I have a number of videos on backpedaling on my YouTube channel. And, uh you know, perhaps I'll post a link to that here. Otherwise, you just go to Gridiron Studs, at Gridiron Studs for YouTube, and I've got a ton of videos there on backpedaling. And those videos are not just for the players. Yes, why is, You know, I certainly want the players to use it, but it's also for you coaches out there. So the coaching points that I'm giving the players in being able to work their backpedal and become better at their backpedal are the same ones that you would use to go coach your guys out there. And there's nothing, at least to me, Call me old school or whatever. But there's nothing better than seeing a nice, pretty, efficient backpedal out of a cornerback. That tells me that guy has some footwork, some skill, and he's a talented defensive back. I'll have more on that as well later. So I don't know if I really drove my point home here, but I'm telling you, listen, coaches out there, if you have time, um, really teach teach your guys how to backpedal. And when you come up with guys that are proficient in it, it's going to help you. Your guys are going to be able to make more plays. The guys that are cocked to the sidelines don't they make far less plays. They do. Now if they absolutely don't know how to backpedal and they can't, you don't have the time to teach them or you don't know how. Then yes, I guess they would make more plays cocked to the side with their rear ends cocked to the sidelines than otherwise. If they just absolutely don't know how to backpedal. But when I have a guy that just can't backpedal after being, after several attempts have been made to teach him that, he's just not a DB. It's not a corner. It's not a DB. Can't backpedal. You're not playing safety. You know, you're not a corner either. There's another position that's out there for you, and let's not, you know, waste a guy's time. Let's get him to the position where he can thrive and have a future in it. But all DBs, corners, nickels, safeties need to backpedal, all right? I'm sure you guys are going to have some comments and maybe some questions on that. And if you guys are interested in... The videos that I have on both backpedaling and weaving, which to me are the same thing. Weave is a cousin of the backpedal. It's an offspring of the backpedal. You guys can send me an email to cwilson at com, and I will send you links to those videos. i will be happy to read any of your questions and comments too, and especially with regards to how much time you may have and maybe some of the challenges you face in teaching you guys and teaching some of your DBs how to backpedal. I may have you know, a really good solution for you. Or I may be able to more totally understand why it is you don't want to do it or you can't do it. And even there, I may be able to help you as well. I may open you up to a a whole new world and just take it from a guy who spent a good amount of time um, coaching and teaching defensive backs from the youth level all the way up to training professional guys right now. I've hit all the levels of football in terms of teaching defensive back play um, and teaching guys backpedal. I've had to teach backpedaling to pro guys. I've had to teach. It just it's it blows me away when I'm doing pre combine training and pro day training, and I run into a guy that can't backpedal. I I know that's I know it's going to be a tough deal for him. I know those workouts. It's going to be hard for him to impress in those workouts. So we get into that right now i teach that guy how to backpedal because you know he's going to get judged on that stuff so again you guys want to reach out to me with questions comments or you just want me to send the links to those videos for backpedaling and weaving be more than happy to do that just send me an email to cwilson at all eyes all right i did ask this question i wanted to jump into this uh, I asked this question in my YouTube community section. If you guys are familiar with YouTube, they do have an area there where you can ask a question or make a post. You can put a poll up and all those good things. I enjoy doing that. That uh, I, I love the feedback that I get on that. And I asked this question a couple of weeks ago. If you had to make a secondary with all cornerbacks at all four positions or all safety at all four positions, which would you choose? And I was not surprised by the results. I know in this game of football, and especially for fans, they love cornerbacks, and so cornerbacks were the overwhelming choice—75% to 25% on that poll. And leave it to me to be the, you know, the guy that goes against the grain. If it were me, uh, and I'm talking perhaps at the high school level. I would, probably, I would most likely choose all safeties, and I'm going to tell you the reason why. I think if I go all cornerbacks, in a, just in the true sense of what cornerbacks are, I'm probably forced into a situation where I've got to play man, if not all game, a good portion of the game. 80% or more of the game is going to have to be played in man-to-man coverage. And while I'm not opposed to doing that, I actually played in a system like that, can tell you there are a lot of disadvantages to that. You better be first of all in good shape. Uh, you better have some good. You better have some mental strength because big plays will be given up. But the place where I would have the problem is where we are putting cornerbacks in safety positions. I might get better coverage there on guys in the slot. Uh, I could have a problem with cornerbacks trying to cover tight ends, which tight ends have become a really big part of this game now and if the tight ends become a really bad matchup I can no longer play man coverage like that or you know I'm going to end up having to do a whole lot of double teaming and all that kind of good stuff and so if I not have to play zone I'm going to run into a couple of problems first of all cornerbacks just aren't as they tend not to have as high a football IQ as safeties so playing zones gets to be an issue if you end up having to do that and then tackling is an issue if we're just sitting on the purest form of cornerback you're going to run into a problem with those two things tackling and football IQ and when you're playing zones or you're going up against a serious run game you're going to have a you're going to have a problem i would go with the four safeties i would go with all safeties and here's my reason why i can line up and play zone i can i probably would feel a little more comfortable having to play cover two the entire game than than having to play man coverage for an entire game. I'm talking every snap. I'd feel more comfortable running 70 snaps of cover two with all four guys being safeties than running 70 snaps of man-to-man coverage with cornerbacks. Now, I can do that. I have done that in games before, but to say that that's my defense each and every week that would give me a good amount of anxiety, and I just don't know um, the level of success that I would have there versus having four safeties. Yeah, we may end up being a little soft on some things. We may give up some yards, but we could hunker down in the red zone and force field goals or force guys on offense to execute. 10, 11, 12 plays in a row and not end up having a drive get killed because they fall behind the sticks on one of those plays. So all I need is a holding call on second down and long or first and long and get them behind the sticks and then now you know we're playing ball. If I got all cornerbacks and I've got to play man-to-man, we could be doing really, really well and someone hits a slant route and goes 80 yards. That doesn't sit well with me. So I think I would go with all the safeties. What would you guys do? And again, you can answer this, uh, you know, if you see the link to this podcast on Twitter and you remember, you can drop a comment there. Or, again, you can send me an email to wilson at eyesdbcamp.com. Which would you choose, all four positions cornerbacks or all four positions as safeties. I'd be really interested in what you guys think about that right there. I'm going with the all four safeties. I know I'm going to get really good communication back there, which would allow me to play the zones with great proficiency. And then I'm going to get good tackling, not only from that safety position in the middle of the field or on the hashes, uh, at the edges too. When teams try to run wide, I'm going to get better tackling ability out of mm, safeties. So I'm gonna I think I'm gonna be good against the run and we could just keep things in front of us and be a little bit more bend but don't break and to a certain extent you know if there's one safety there with pretty good coverage ability I have the ability to do some things there so I think I'd go with all four safeties alright time now for the user question and by that I mean uh, people who have visiting visited me on my social media networks Again, if you guys are trying to reach me on Twitter, my Twitter address is dbtips101, dbtips101. You're trying to reach me on Instagram. It's at all alleyesdbcamp. I am setting up a Instagram page for 101 dbtips, but you can reach me at, at all alleyesdbcamp all on Instagram. As well as in the email inbox. So I get questions from time to time, and I like to bring them here and answer them on air. And I found this one to be pretty interesting because I you know, have a little bit of a story with this, and it relates to me. But Warren in Ohio is a coach out there in high school, uh, out in Warren, Ohio. And it's Warren, actually, out in Ohio. Let me not say Warren, Ohio. It's Warren who's out in Ohio. He's a high school football coach out there. And he has an issue with his cornerbacks in cover, two. His cornerbacks, when trying to get that jam in cover two, they continuously get their backs turned towards the receiver, the number one receiver, when they're trying to get those jams. Because they really do emphasize getting the reroute on number one. And he says a lot of times they get their backs turned and the number two receiver runs out into the flat and they get easy completions. What do I do about that? 100% 100% understand that. I live that life. Just a quick story. Started off my college football career at a place called Long Beach State that no longer plays football. So if you aren't aware of <laughs> Long Beach State, um, no worries there. I don't blame you. Haven't played football since the 1991 season. I was on that final team. I was on that team with Terrell Davis, who's a Hall of Famer. We were teammates, came out the same year, uh, played on that team. Team in 1990 and 1991. So they haven't played football there in quite some time. 32 years to be exact. But anyway, uh, when I was there, we were a man to man football team. We played off man, a lot of press man, more press man than anything else. You know, I I do remember times being in press man in third and 15. We pressed, and that's just kind of what was taught there. Why? Because we had a bunch of ex Oakland Raiders on the team. Matter of fact, My DB coach, when I went to Long Beach State, was Hall of Famer Willie Brown, one of the fathers of bump and run coverage, and he was there, obviously teaching that. And then we had another guy who was an Oakland Raider that came in as a DB coach the second year, Jimmy Warren, uh, when Willie Brown became the head coach. So that's what they knew. That's what they taught, and we were really damn good at that. After the program folded, I now transferred to the University of Miami, and I went from playing a ton of man to playing zone. And what zone? cover two in particular and how not pressed five yards off of the wide receiver it was a tremendous adjustment for me i went from being up and in a wide receiver's face to being five yards off having a wide receiver run at me full speed while i kind of sat there on my line having to make a jam oh yeah while also trying to read what number two was doing what the slot wide receiver was doing because what I did after that reroute depended on what number two was doing. It was one hell of an adjustment for me. And what would happen to me often is what Warren in Ohio is describing in my efforts to get the jam. And no, by the way, I was doing this, not against some scrubs, against the best wide receiving core in the country at the time. And for you guys that are older and can remember, we're talking about Horace Copeland, a guy that was 6'2", 200 pounds and ran a 4'3", 40 and did backflips without bending his knees and won the Big East long jump without ever going to practice. Um, Kevin Williams, a guy who ran a four-two eight forty, and was extremely explosive. And another guy who was a tremendous route runner in Lamar Thomas, who's now coaching um, in the XFL, but went to the NFL, played several years there, and was a highly accomplished wide receiver. Yeah, I was doing it against those guys. This difficult task against those guys. So they were very savvy. Obviously, by the time I got there, and getting off of cover two jams and influencing the corner, and a lot of times they would get my back turned, and that slot wide receiver would be in the flat catching the ball, and my back is turned, and I'd only I'd turn around to see this guy in the flat with the ball and getting cursed out to holy hell, um, not just by the coach, but by the players. And I'll tell you, the, the University of Miami at that time had their own policing system. You were more worried about what the players would say and do to you than anything the coach would say, so that player catching the ball in the flat meant I was going to catch some flack from the entire defense, You know, giving up that play continuously, routinely. So here's what helped me, this will help your players Warren, so I want you to listen to me very closely. This is how I taught Cover 2 once I became a coach, Um, and it really stems a lot from just learning this as I was playing it. Oh, and by the way, by the time I left out of the University of Miami, I was really damn good at that Cover 2 jam. I learned to love it, I embraced it, um, and learned this little tip trick technique to it but i really got into it and ended up being pretty good at it unfortunately by that time we went from playing cover two 80 of the time to playing it 50 50 we started running a, a lot more man my senior year but say all that to say this first of all it is important that your guys align properly you it starts with your alignment so you have to really be on a, your guys' case about where they align. If you let them, a young player, especially in high school, will line head up in front of that number one wide receiver. Man, In times, they might even line up inside. So if you don't get on a guy, they will line up just to line up. Because they don't yet understand, unless you drill it into their head, that alignment means something. Being outside shade means be outside shade, not head up. There's a reason why this is a game of inches. So first of all, they've got to be outside shade. Whether that's half a man or a full man, whatever it is that you have them doing. Second of all, and this is the very, very important part. On the snap of the ball, teach them to take a lateral step outside. Why do we do that? Because it keeps that wide receiver in their peripheral vision. And so what's going to happen here is they're going to be aligned. They take that lateral step outside while they're looking at the number two wide receiver. As they take that lateral step, they will out of their peripheral vision or they'll, you know, whether it's the peripheral vision or they can feel the wide receiver attacking that outside shoulder if that's what he wants to do, they will continue to take more lateral steps to the outside as that number one receiver attacks their outside shoulder. So just imagine them sliding along their line. They're not giving up ground and moving from five yards depth to six yards depth. They're staying Five yards deep as they slide outside and it's allowing them still to see that number two wide receiver. So they are feeling one and seeing two. If they don't slide laterally, that number one receiver is going to get into their blind spot. And they're going to feel a certain amount of anxiety about that happening. They're just not going to feel good about that wide receiver being in a place where they can't see. So one of two things are going to happen. They are going to have to turn their head now to go find that number one wide receiver. And that might involve turning their back, which is, as you say, what is happening. And then that number two receiver is going to run out in a flat and get an easy completion. Or they are going to totally forget about that number one receiver because they're so focused on number two. And then number one receiver is going to get in that little hole right there, right behind the corner and in front of the safety. And a good quarterback is just going to routinely hit that. Either one of those scenarios are bad. But if they take that lateral step and they continue to feel that wide receiver attacking that outside shoulder, they can continue to slide with him. Eventually, that number one receiver is going to get to that cornerback and he's going to be in good enough position because of those slide steps to get his hands on him while he is seeing number two. And if number two is coming out, here's what we have happening, that cornerback is is neutralizing number one with his hands because he's able to get a jam, because he's close enough to him because of those lateral steps, and he's going to control number two, the ability to get the ball to number two by having his eyes on number two. So if the quarterback's courageous and he decides he's gonna make that throw out into that flat to the number two wide receiver, your cornerback's going to see that. He's going to be able to plant and drive that route and either intercept it or lay a massive hit on that number two wide receiver and most likely break that pass up. Outside of that, having his hands on number one is going to delay number one getting into that whole area. He's doing his job rerouting him out of bounds or getting outside so hard that it forces that number one receiver back inside of him. And now we've got two routes close to each other. One is going inside to try and get vertical up the field and two is coming out towards one. And that is the whole essence of cover two. It's condensing all those routes through reroutes by the defense into one small area and limiting the windows and paths for that quarterback to throw the ball. And it all is going to stem from that lateral step as soon as the ball is snapped and continuing to take those steps if that wide receiver is attacking his outside shoulder. You must emphasize to that corner... That you don't care what happens when we are in this coverage and that ball is snapped, take the lateral step outside. You are not waiting to see what happens. You're not waiting to see whether it's a run. You're not waiting to see if the wide receiver is attacking my outside. When the ball is snapped, take the lateral step. It starts with that. You don't take that lateral step and that receiver goes outside right now, you're going to lose him, and now it's a whole catch-up deal, and yes, he's going to end up turning his back, and you're going to get that route completed behind you, okay? So whatever the case may be, when we're in cover two and the ball is snapped, take the lateral step, and then you cont- you continue those lateral steps if that receiver is attacking your outside shoulder, all right? That's another thing that I have some videos on. Um, that's in my members area, however. That's not something that I really have on YouTube. It's something that I have in the members area at All Eyes DB Camp. Um, if you're a coach, if you're a player, if you're a trainer, that's another thing. Uh, it's another tool for you that I have available to you uh, as a member of the secondary in whatever form that is for you to take advantage of, and that's the All Eyes DB Camp members area. If you go to the website, alleyesdbcamp.com, um, and you hit sign up, you'll have more information on that for you there but it's a it's a key point and it's a really great way to handle and neutralize that so warren in ohio give that a try Try that out now. We're doing seven on sevens. You're probably doing, uh, you know, camps and all that kind of stuff right now. Or, you are you know, you're doing a little seven on seven just amongst your team. Whatever you got going on right now, start teaching your guys that right now. And let me know how it goes. Man, it worked wonders for me. It has been, it was tremendous for my guys when I coached them in high school. I was a big proponent of cover two. We weren't playing man or three. We were definitely in cover two. My whole idea was smother, smother teams early with uh, with man coverages and cover three and once we got a lead I started playing cover two and I was forcing you to execute 10 and 12 play drives which sucked up time and you'd be surprised how uh, coaches on the offensive side would get really really anxious and run out of patience because they're behind and just throw us the football uh, so yep cover two is a thing that I know a lot about having played it and used it a lot in my coaching days. So give that a try and let me know how that works out. And if you have a question, something that's bothering you as a player or as a coach or you're a trainer out there and uh, you want some information on how to coach something up for a guy, um, feel free to reach out to me. Again, email cwilson at alleyesdbcamp.com. Perhaps I'll read your question on air on the Indie Drills podcast next week all right on to our main topic and that is man you know what time it is it is june it's hot out there and what that means is yeah we can't put the pads on at least not yet but everyone's going to camp so whether you're going to the college camps or you're just going to one of these exposure camps being run by rivals of 247 sports or other uh, outfits out there that are trying to help guys get Uh, exposure, offers, etc., etc., I'm not here to judge those camps. Uh, There are plenty of guys out there that will offer their opinions to you on social media and Twitter about the viability of a camp, whether it's good, whether it's bad, whether it's a money grab, whether it's fraud, whatever the case may be. I'm not getting into that. On this podcast, I'm 100% about improving defensive back play and teaching guys how to play defensive back. So if you're going to these camps and you're a defensive back, I'm going to talk to you about four ways you guys are going to be able to win at these camps. And I'm happy to do that. All right. Listen, when you go to these camps, we all know that height, weight, and speed are the first eye catchers when you show up to the camp. It is what it is. We we can't change that. It is what it is. Um, this game is very much about physical attributes for the most part you don't have control over those things when you arrive at camp okay you are what you are on that day in terms of height and weight as well as speed you're as tall as you're going to be you're as big as you're going to be and as you're as fast as you're going to be on that day so what can you actually do on that day of camp to pull some eyeballs in your direction here's four things that i think you can do there number one is follow instructions this one's simple, right? You'd be surprised how many times guys tank themselves by not doing this one thing. There's nothing more annoying when I used to go uh, and be a coach at these camps and explain a drill too many times or have a guy that's at the back of the line mess up a drill when it's, it's, you know, it's his turn. all right? for whatever reason you didn't want to go first or second, so you're hanging there at the back of the line, what are you thinking about back there? What are you watching? You've had a chance to, go fi- to see 5, 10, 15, maybe even 20 guys do a drill before you and it just doesn't look good when you get your turn to go and you totally screw the drill up. Do your best to study the instructions given and watch the guys doing the drill in front of you. They're either doing it right or they're doing it wrong. Either way, that coach is giving out instructions. It's in your best interest to take notice and not let your mind wander while you're in the line because when you're up... It's your time to make an impression and sitting in the back of the line and coming up and doing a drill wrong after so many guys have gone in front of you um, will irritate a coach right off rip. And then it's now you're fighting an uphill battle to impress that guy after you've done that a couple of times. Um, this, This second one is a cousin of the first one. That is pay attention, all right? During a camp, a coach will give out instructions regarding drills. However, he will also talk about some other things that are important for him to get across to you. There isn't a whole lot of time in these camps for a coach to bond, connect, or get a message across to you. Some of those things may be the type of attitude you're gonna need to succeed, as well as some other things you may need to do on your own time to get better. It's in your best interest to pay attention when that coach is saying those things to you. Now, how do we pay attention? We do that with our eyes. If that coach is talking to you or to the group, And you have your eyes down or off in the distance or elsewhere, you're leaving a bad impression on that coach. And I'm going to say it again. He has only a couple of hours to make an assessment of you. He doesn't know you like that. He's just going to judge you off of what he sees that day and in those couple of hours. Now, we can argue about whether or not that's enough time. But as they say, it is what it is. Do yourself a favor and lock in every time that coach is speaking. This way he knows that this DB thing means something to you. He is most likely volunteering his time and he's spending his time to express something to you that's very important. You owe it to him and to yourself to look that man in the eyes and let him know you are receiving the information. If you're looking down, away, off in a distance, not making eye contact, he has to guess whether or not... You are getting that information, and if he has to guess if you're getting that information, he's going to assume it's not that important to you. And if it's not that important to you, why should you be that important to him? You see how that whole cycle works? And so you've not made a good impression on that guy. Look him in the eyes. It's a simple thing, but it's a big thing. Trust me on that. The number three thing is don't be a one-trick pony. Have you ever gone to a camp, and when you go to do one-on-ones, You heard the coach say he doesn't want anyone playing press until he says so. I'm sure you've had that happen to you in a camp. You know, there's a reason why coaches do this. They really want to separate the guys that are true defensive backs from the ones who just play one on TV. This is going to stem back to something I said in the beginning of this podcast about backpedaling. If you are a coach that has a player that's only cocked and turned to the side and you never teach him how to backpedal, when he gets into a camp and he has to play off-man coverage and he can't backpedal, it's going to be a big, big problem for him. He's just not going to look good. He'll never really make an impression in that kind of a situation. And that's going to go back to him never really learning how to backpedal and why would that happen? His high school football coach didn't have him backpedal, didn't want to teach him that, couldn't teach him that, and he just really lacks a very important skill. But making a DB play off the wide receiver shows that coach who can play for real. Being able to pedal, use leverage, and read a receiver's body language to break on the ball or cut off routes shows what kind of IQ you have as a DB. It also shows that you may have some training playing the position. Just because you may not have an A-plus coach at your school doesn't mean that you can't acquire the knowledge. There are good trainers out there. Um, there's a ton of information available online to help you with your game. The all Eyes DB Camp members area would be a good example of that, as well as YouTube. Either way, you should do all that you can to learn about the position of DB before you start going to camps. Showing a coach that you can be good, a good off-the-ball uh, cover man as well as in press situations, will impress that coach and it'll make him take a good, long, hard look at you. He'll want to know your name if he sees that. So make sure you're not just a one-trick pony. Everyone wants to go and press at the camp and line up with his chest, uh, his face up against the chest of the wide receiver and get hands on him right away and probably commit various acts of pass interference and call it a good day. But don't... Be a man out lost at sea if they ask you to play off. Learn how to play off man as well as press man. And the final thing, which is super important, is have a dog mentality. Now, that's perhaps the most overused term in evaluating players It's he has that dog in him. I hear that all the time. Well, what is a dog mentality, really? In a camp setting, it's a guy that's not afraid to take reps, I don't know how many times I've seen athletes hiding in the back of the line on the sidelines, refusing to take reps while they're at camp, especially during one-on-ones. You're not there to be a spectator, man. That's no way to spend your day at camp. While I'm not saying that you need to go overboard and be completely annoying trying to take every rep, because we've all seen that guy at camp, you should be mildly aggressive in trying to get out there and compete. The other part of this is don't let getting beat on a play throw cold water on your fire. Real coaches know that you'll get beat playing DB. What they want to see is how a guy will react after he takes an L. So if losing doesn't turn you up a notch, then you may not be that dog that the coach loves to see. You might not have that dog in you. Or maybe you're just a dog with no teeth. Win, lose, or draw, man, you should be looking to compete and doing what you need to do to win every time you line up at camp. And what happened to play before that doesn't matter for this play that's coming up now. Because once that last play is over, the most important thing is that next play. So you gotta have that dog mentality. Those four things will certainly get that coach's attention. Have a dog mentality, don't be a one-trick pony. Pay attention and for God's sakes, follow instructions. So aside from a 40 time and your broad jump and all the other measurable things. You now have four solid things that you can work on and present at a camp that can steal a coach's eyeballs away from the eye candy, which are the tall guys and the fast guys and all that other stuff. Uh, that might not; Those guys might not have those intangibles. They might not have these four things. I promise you, you can steal a coach's heart with those four things I just brought across to you just now. I've seen it happen before, and I've definitely been a coach in those situations, and I've latched on to a guy because he has presented several of those things or all of those things. All five foot eight of him. So don't go in there with your head down, well, I'm, you know, I'm not tall enough, the only one tall guys. Damn all that. That's not a dog mentality. You go in there, whatever height, whatever weight, whatever speed you are, and you go do these four things, and if you know how to play, you know how to play. You'll catch somebody's attention while you're there, so use that in this very important time, um, this very important camp season that we're in the middle of right now. All right, look forward to that. All right, my time to check out. My time's up here in the Indie Drills podcast. Hope you found this thing useful. Um, I'm looking forward to some discussions about backpedaling. I know that can get hot and heavy. Um, I'm a guy that'll listen. You know, I will certainly listen to some of your struggles out there, but Oh, my man, I'm real adamant about a guy being able to backpedal. You can get away with it maybe at your high school, but you're going to be confronted with situations down the road where you need to backpedal and you better know how to do it. You better know how to do it. So if you're a high school guy out there that finds yourself in a situation where you just don't backpedal um, because that's how your scheme calls for it in your high school um, – Find some time, teach yourself how to backpedal if you have to, or if you, there's a trainer you can go to that your, your school trust, your, your coach trusts, and you feel good about, go to that guy. Um, I'm certainly not here to advocate you going to a guy that's going to do something completely different or run you at odds with your high school coach. You've got to do what your high school coach is asking you to do within his scheme for you to play and for your team to have success. Um, but if there's a guy there that can work in those parameters and have you right on your backpedal, man, know how to backpedal. Okay, it's, it's, it's your firearm as a defensive back. You either got it or you don't when the trouble pops off. And there's going to be a time where you need to backpedal, so go ahead and do that. And I hope answering that question on cover two and at least giving you guys these, uh, these, these things these four things that you really need in camp can help you out. I am also down for the questions. I love questions from you guys, so feel free to send me an email to cwilson at eyesdbcamp.com with any questions or comments. Um, especially if you have any questions with some things that are troubling you who knows i might use your question in the next edition of the indie drills podcast all right on the way out guys subscribe to the podcast like I said i really really love the feedback that i've been getting the number of people that have uh, tuned in and have found this useful i want to continue to do this and grow the show and reach as many guys as possible we've got to slow down all this flow of offense that's going on out there all these passing records that being broken all these receivers that are just running up and down the field, we've got to do something about that. And um, I want to use this podcast to help with that. And then also, guys, don't forget I've got two really, really great tools for you, and that is the All Eyes DB Camp members area, which you can find by going to all um, you can check that out there, hit the sign up button, it'll give you more information, and then everybody. Everyone involved in a secondary player, coach, trainer should have a copy of my ebook, 101 DB Tips. Get that at, at- 101dbtips.com It's the greatest reference guide On defensive back play It's a great place uh, for you to start If you don't know anything about playing defensive back It's a great guide for you to have If you've been playing defensive back for over a decade Either way It's a great thing for you to for you guys to have Alright, I'm going to get on out of here Appreciate you guys listening And I look forward to um, having all of you guys here With me on the next episode Of the Indie Drills Podcast Thanks for listening